How's everyone doing today? Fine, that's good. Pretty good response. I hope you had a great week. Um, today we're going to continue talking about growing up. And, um, and over the past three weeks, we've talked about different parts of this series. We talked the first week, we've been working through the book of John. And we talked first week about the need to be born again. That if we're going to be a part of God's kingdom, we have to be born again. We have to be a new creation, made new in Christ. And then the two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we need to continually grow, that it's not just a one-time thing, we're born again and everything's good, but that God calls us to continually grow in our faith, regardless of how long we've been at it, regardless of how young or how old you are, that God wants us to continually grow. And last week, we talked about the fact that the more we grow, um, and I didn't bring this up last week, but how many of you have seen the movie Benjamin Button? Anyone? Okay, the movie, interesting movie about a, a guy that actually, as he gets older, looks younger. And, and I think that was kind of the idea with last week, that the more we grow, the more we experience Christ, the more like Christ we become, the less it's about us, the less it's about me getting bigger, the more it's about pointing to God. And so last week we talked about less of me, more of him. I, I want to just say something today, and, and I don't mean to... Um, criticize anybody or even the church, but I think sometimes we miss the process. I think sometimes we look at spiritual growth as something that's a knowledge thing, and we miss the fact that there's a process to it. And so today I want to talk about that process, and knowledge is good, and we do need to read the Bible, and we do need to grow in, in learning Scripture, we do need to pray, but there's a process that goes along with that. And so today, today I want to talk about that. This last week, we had an issue in our house that happens quite a bit. And so what happened was, I believe it was Friday night, maybe it was Thursday night, um, Eli's school had a fall festival over at Union Elementary, and... Unfortunately, one of the boys is sick, so I stayed home with two of the boys, and Megan took two of the boys to the fall festival. And so they went, I stayed home, hanging out with the younger ones, and, um, and Megan goes, and about nine o'clock, they walk in the door. And as often happens, when they walk in the door from being out, somebody was in a little bit of trouble. We, we had problems. Oh, it, was, it was like, you know, you guys have experienced this. You walk in the door, straight to bed. Go straight to bed. Don't do anything else. Brush your teeth. Go to bed. And I'm like, uh-oh, what happened this time? <laughs> so let me tell you what happened. There was this fall festival. And at the fall festival, you got a certain number of tickets, and you could do a certain number of events. And then also at the end, there was a ticket counter where you could take and turn in tickets and get prizes. Have any of you ever had a good experience with a ticket counter that have kids, that is like, I mean, I think that's where we're sent to be punished is we have to go to the ticket counter and hear our kids complain and cry because they didn't get what they wanted and they never have enough. But there was a ticket counter and so basically there were all these different things and some of them cost tickets. So one of my boys really enjoyed the woodworking station and he really wanted to do it again. And Megan said, listen, if you do it again, you need to understand that it's going to cost you more tickets, and you're going to have less tickets for later at the ticket counter. Oh, I know. I want to do the woodworking thing again. I know, Mommy. I want to do this. Please understand that if you do this, you're going to have less tickets for later. You're going to be upset later. This is a conversation that happens all the time in our house. 
you're going to be upset later if you make this decision because you don't understand what's coming. I get it, I get it. So one of my boys, I'm not telling you which one, I, I, I don't want you to go. I remember growing up, my dad always preached and he would talk about us and we made him give us candy if he talked about us in his sermons. And so I don't want, I don't want my boys to feel like I'm talking about them all the time, but one of my boys decided he wanted to do the woodworking station again. And so, okay, do the woodworking station. So he did it. The end of the night comes, they go to the ticket counter, and the other boy has a lot more tickets to spend. And all of a sudden, it all goes crazy. And the one that did the woodworking was so upset, flipped out, lost his mind, got himself in big trouble. And so they walked in the house, and it's like, oh man. How many of you have, have had that conversation in your home before? All right, I'm giving you the information. Here's the information. You have the information. Know that if you make the, this decision, you might regret it later. You have the information, but that doesn't always work, does it? It's one of the most frustrating things about parenting is, is we try to teach, we try. It doesn't always work. You know why? Because knowing does not always translate to becoming, or knowing something does not always translate to action or behavior. Just having the facts, just having the information does not always translate to doing what you need to do. And as much as we're talking about kids or that situation, let's just all be honest and say that we've experienced this ourselves. Knowing does not always translate to doing or becoming. And so a good example of this is I like to go to the theater over here, Cobb Theater over at Liberty Center, and I really love the food they have there. And there's one thing in specific that I love, the buffalo chicken dip. But that stuff is like radioactive. And I know, I mean, I know that if I eat that stuff, I am going to be in physical pain for the rest of the night. I'm going to have heartburn. I'm going to be hurting. Knowing doesn't always translate to behavior or becoming. Knowledge isn't all there is. You can have all the facts, you can have all the information that doesn't always lead us to where we need to be. Do you ever feel like we treat our relationship with Christ this way? That it's kind of all about knowledge? I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I see a trend in the church that it's, it's like we, we check boxes and we're becoming less and less involved in the work of the church or the work of the kingdom and more and more involved in the things outside of it, the things that are taking up our time. And I'm not, I don't want to beat anyone down. I don't want you to think that I'm saying you have to go to church all the time to be a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying sometimes we treat our spirituality as a knowledge thing. Well, hey, I read scripture. Hey, I listen to you preach. I'm sorry. Hey, I, I do. Hey, I go to church once a week. Come on. I'm becoming like Christ, right? But you guys all know that just being at church once a week, just reading scripture, just having the knowledge, the information does not always lead us to become who we need to be. And if you're anything like me, you struggle with that. And at times, the information doesn't take you to where you need to be. Don't get me wrong. We need to know, I said this earlier, we need to read scripture, we need to know the Bible, we need to pray, we need to be at church, we need the knowledge. But that's just one piece of it. 
And so today I want to talk about the process. I want to talk about more, there's more to it than that. And so I talked about this a few weeks ago that it's really fun to watch our kids grow up. And Jack right now is about a year and a half old and he is in this really fun spot where he's picking up on all the things that we do. So one of the things we do is we'll read books together. He'll pick up a book, he'll bring it up, he'll, he'll hold it up, and he'll make sounds like, eh, eh. And then if, he, if I don't respond to that sound, the sound gets louder and it gets ugly. And so I'll read a book to him, and he'll, he'll listen to that book, and then he'll come back with the same book again and make the sound. And, but, but reading to Jack is a really fun thing. We read the truck book. And, and listen, Jack doesn't know how to read. He doesn't know what the words on the page say, but just sitting down with him is teaching him. He's experiencing that with me. In fact, they've done studies. I was, I was looking at this about a month ago. They've actually done studies that if the more that children are talked to in the home, the more words that are used with children, the faster they develop. There are studies on this, that the less a child is interacted with in the home, the harder it is for that child to develop and learn. And so children don't just learn by us putting paper in front of them or just giving them tests. Children learn through interacting with you. Jack walks around the house and he picks up calculators and he picks up my phone and he puts them up to his ear and says, hello, in the best way he can because he's watched me. He's learning. A couple nights ago, we were over at my parents' house, and, and Charlie comes up and says, hey, I want to show you my newest karate move. And then Sam says, I'm going to show you my karate move, and, and what karate move does he do? Anyone? We've been watching a movie. I'll give you a hint. He was doing the crane from Karate Kid, because in our house, we've been watching Karate Kid, and so Sam was showing us the crane, the Karate Kid kick, because they watch and they learn. It's not just about information. It's about experiencing, it's about watching, it's about learning from others. One of the greatest ways that we learn is by watching others. One of the greatest ways we learn is by watching others. And so if you really want to grow up, we have to walk with others and learn from those that have grown up before us. It's not just about reading the Bible. It's not just about coming to Connections class. It's not just about being at church. If you really want to grow up in your relationship with God, we have to walk a journey with others. And we have to learn from others that have experienced this before us. How many of you have just had somebody in your life that was a great mentor that taught you so much? Okay, a few of you. I'll tell you, I mean, I, I'm really lucky. I was talking to someone this morning about this. I'm really lucky that I've had the opportunity to watch my dad minister for so long, to, to have a dad that invested in me and spent time with me. And I had the opportunity to watch him in the way that he does things. And it's even scary sometimes how similar we are because I've watched him for so long. I pray the same way he does. I do the same thing. I sit the same way. I do all these things because I watched him. And I learned it wasn't just information, it was watching. And so if we really want to grow up, we have to walk with others and we have to learn from those that have grown up before us. And so let me ask you a question today. Who are you learning from? Who are you walking with? Who are you watching and learning from? Because I just have a sneaking suspicion 
that if you're walking this journey on your own and if this journey is all about knowledge, you're probably struggling. God's process, God's plan involves walking together and growing together. And so when we talk about growing up spiritually, I, I, I think we have one of the best examples in the world. We have the example, and that's Jesus and his disciples. Jesus gave us a pattern as to how we are supposed to grow up in the way that he worked with and walked with his disciples. So we've been looking through the book of John, and this is really funny, because I was talking to Dale not too long ago, and I was like, man, I just can't, like, there's, I can't find a really good scripture in John that helps me, like, that really will bring this point home. And Dale said, the whole book of John is the process of growing up. And so thanks, Dale, for the for the, the idea there. And, and so today, I, I want us to look kind of at bookends of the book of John, because it is true. The book of John, the Gospels, are really the story of Jesus walking with his disciples, pouring into his disciples, and them watching and learning and growing up. And, and so in John chapter 1, verses 35 to 43, it says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. He doesn't give them information. He says, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. We know him as Peter. And then in verse 43, we see again, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And so we have these disciples, they're actually John the Baptist's disciples, they were following John, they were learning from John, and John sees Jesus, and as we talked about last week, it's not about John's ministry, it's not about him becoming greater, it's about Jesus. So he points them to Jesus and says, hey, thanks for following me, but that's the guy that you need to be following. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't say, here, here's a, here's a packet of information that'll tell you everything you need to know about me. Hey, if you go to this synagogue on this date, you can, you can have a nice class and you can, have a, you can have a good worship time. He doesn't say, here's all the information. Jesus says, follow me. Come with me. John, the writer, doesn't really expand on that that much at this point. But if you look at the other gospels, you understand that what Jesus is calling these disciples to is to follow him day by day to give up what they were already doing, and to walk daily with Jesus. And what we see over the next 20 chapters of the book of John is we see the disciples walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, watching Jesus, and they grow up. The follow me is not a call just to physically follow. The call to, me, to follow me is to follow as a disciple. 
And so we understand that we are called to something so much more than information or an event. We are called to follow. Jesus doesn't call them to the synagogue. He doesn't say, read this good book. He doesn't give them a bunch of material. He says, follow me. Being a disciple of Christ is not simply an intellectual endeavor. That's hard to say. Being a disciple of Christ is not simply an intellectual endeavor. It is a commitment to follow Christ. I just want to be really clear with you today. The, the, the Christianity that we believe in, the idea of growing up and following Christ is not a simple, just, hey, I believe it, all right, I'm good, now I'm going to go about my day. The calling that we are called to is to follow Christ, to walk with Christ day by day, to go through the process of growing up, to see his example and live it out every day. Sometimes we fall into the trap of viewing our faith as just a simple decision. Or we fall into the trap of thinking that believing in Christ is just simply an intellectual thing, like, hey, I just have been enlightened all of a sudden. But following Christ is so much more than that. Following Christ is learning and watching and being a part of his community and his family and his kingdom and growing daily. I'm afraid that we're missing it. I'm afraid that sometimes we put God in the little box of Sunday morning. Or we put God in the little box of my 15 minutes before I go to bed that I read the Bible. And we miss that Jesus wants to walk with us every day. And so over the next 20 chapters, we see the disciples follow Jesus, watching him learning from him. And so what did they see? I just want to run through this. I'm basically going to give you the book of John here. I'm going to give you several aspects of it. But what do they see from Jesus? The first thing, they see miracles. It says three days later, they're at a wedding and Jesus turns water into wine. They see this, his first miracle. In chapter four, they see Jesus heal the official's son. There's a man whose son is sick, and Jesus heals him. In chapter 5, Jesus heals a lame man who was by the pool but couldn't get into the pool, and Jesus heals him. In chapter 6, and well, that was chapter 5, in chapter 6, we see Jesus feed 5,000 people. Are, are you getting the picture? The disciples saw some really cool stuff. Jesus fed 5,000 plus people. Later in chapter 6, Jesus walked on water. These disciples are experiencing some awesome power of God. In chapter 9, Jesus heals a man that was born blind. We see the power of God at work. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever experienced the miraculous power of God at work? Have you ever experienced the miraculous power at work of God at work in the world around you and the people around you? I just, I'm going to take a step out on faith and say that if you've been walking with others, if you've been a part of the family, if you've been journeying together, you've probably experienced that. I could tell you several stories of the way that God has miraculously worked in the lives of the people around me. God is still working. And God wants to invite us not to get intellectually enlightened. God wants us to experience his great power and so they see miracles at work. They see him and hear him teach. 
as, as he was going about, he was constantly teaching. He would take time here in the temple or he would take time here on the, on the mountainside and he would teach them. He would use parables. He would use life experiences. In chapter 3, which we talked about the first week, we see that he teaches Nicodemus that you have to be born again. In chapter 12, he's teaching them about the future. This is what's going to happen. In chapter 14 through 16, he teaches them the path to the kingdom. He's constantly teaching. So I'll ask you another question. Are you learning constantly from Jesus and others that are inspired by Christ? I told you, some of the best times that I ever learned and I ever grew was from watching my dad teach. Not up here, not from the pulpit, not in a Sunday school class or in, in an in a, in a, um, office setting, the best times that I have grown spiritually was by watching my father teach me through his actions and through life situations. Whether it was someone being ugly to him and he taught me the way to respond, whether it was somebody that was hurting and he taught me the way to care for them, whether it was just somebody that wanted some of his time and he taught me to invest myself in others. One of my biggest factors of growth was watching my father and learning from his teaching with his actions and with his words. Are you learning from somebody else? Are you learning? Listen, we have resources all over the place. Are you learning daily what it means to walk with Christ? The next thing, they see his grace and his love for others. I just talked about this a, lo- a little bit. Jesus was always graceful and loving to those that he came in contact with. But he always drew them to a holy life. In chapter 4, we see a Samaritan woman at the well, and we see him reach out to her and be gracious to her, her even in her struggles and her disappointments, and he calls her to a better life. In chapter 8, we see a woman that's about to be stoned that's caught in adultery. And Jesus is graceful and loving and calls her to something better. In chapter 11, we see just Jesus' raw love for his disciple. We see Jesus' raw love for his friend Lazarus. And he raises him from the dead. But we see Jesus, that shortest verse in the Bible, we see Jesus weep. We see Jesus' love for others. If you're around somebody that's pointing to Jesus, you're going to experience grace and love for others. Here's the thing. You might not experience that anywhere else. Our natural reaction, the world around us, the natural reaction of us as humans is not to be graceful and loving. But if we are following Christ, if we are following somebody that's pointing to Christ, we will see God's grace and love at work. The next thing, they see his plan for them and his relationship with the Father. And in chapter 14 to 16, he's teaching them about the future. This is what's going to happen. In chapter 17, he prays for them. He prays for the future of his believers and those outside. He prays for the church. Are you a part of a bigger plan that's unfolding? The plan of the kingdom? If you are growing up, if you are experiencing, if you are walking with Christ and walking with others... You're a part of something so much bigger than just today or just this action or just this service. You are a part of God's unfolding plan to redeem this world, to bring about his kingdom. That's good news today. 
And then the last thing, they're with him in good times, and they're with him in difficult times. They see his reactions. They're with him when the crowds are following and people are gathering around because he's popular. They're with him when the religious leaders try to trick him and try to get him in trouble. They're with him when he marches into Jerusalem as the coming king. They're with him when he's arrested. They're with him when he returns, when he's raised from the dead and returns. They were with him in good times and bad. Listen, if we're walking this journey together... We're going to experience some tough times together. You guys know this. And we're going to experience some good times together. But as we follow Christ and as we point each other to Christ, we're walking this journey together. Are you getting the picture? These disciples were following Jesus. This wasn't a one-time decision. This wasn't like, boom, you're healed. You're so smart. You got it. Go live your life however you want. This is a call to walk with Jesus and follow him as he does miracles, as he's insulted, as he comes in as the king. This is a a calling to walk with Jesus daily. The disciples got much more than an education. The disciples got a rabbi. They got a front row seat to see everything that Jesus said and did. Can you imagine being a part of that. I mean, we read scripture, and and if we're being honest, like we can't put ourselves in that place, can we? But just imagine what it would be like to walk with Jesus, to walk with the God, the creator of the universe and his son, and, and to walk with him as he does miracles, and to walk with him as he saves people, and as he points people to the Father. Imagine walking with Jesus. Think about all these disciples experienced. Now, obviously, Jesus probably isn't walking in the back doors of the sanctuary today, and Jesus probably not going to walk up to you and say, hey, follow me, buddy. We're going to walk around for a while, and we're going to do some cool things. That's probably not going to happen today. But I believe that Jesus is calling us to follow him through relationship with each other, through walking with him daily, And so I believe just the same, just because Jesus is not physically going to walk in and say, follow me, I believe Jesus wants to call us to something much bigger than church. I believe Jesus wants to call us to a lifelong commitment of walking with Christ. And he had a plan. He had disciples that he had poured his life into. He had disciples that had watched him and had learned from him. And guess what his plan was? That when he left, those disciples would make disciples, and those disciples would make disciples, and those disciples would make disciples, and here we are 2,000 years later, and we are called to be a part of this journey, this ongoing thing. In John 21, verses 15 to 17, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. 
Now, if you know the backstory to this, you know that Peter had just, when, when Jesus was arrested, Peter denied Jesus three times. And so it's just poetic that Jesus says three times, do you love me? And every time he says, feed my sheep. But I see a lot of good news in this because let's be honest, you and I are not perfect and we do mess up and sometimes we do make it about the wrong thing and sometimes we do miss the point. And Peter had missed it. But Jesus had walked with Peter and had taught him, and Peter loved Jesus, and he says, okay, you've walked with me all this time, now go and feed my sheep. And we see the plan continue to unfold in the other gospel, uh, gospels. We see the great commission, go and make disciples. Jesus had poured into them for years, had taught them, had been an example to them, and now he's saying, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of others. Jesus' plan was that his disciples would go and make others. And 2,000 years later, we are called to be disciples of Christ, just like those disciples were, just like Peter. We are called to follow. I want you to understand that this morning. You are not called to attend church. You are not called to just gain information. You are called to follow Christ. We are called to experience Jesus daily through knowing, through watching, through practicing, and through relationships. I want you to understand the importance of this calling. Think about what the disciples would have missed if they would have said, nah, I'm kind of busy. Nah, I mean, thanks Jesus for the invite, but I'm a member at the synagogue over here, and, and you know, that's going pretty well. Or, thanks Jesus, but I've read the scriptures and I'm good. No, if they, if they wouldn't fo have followed him daily, they would have missed so much. And I believe that's true for us today as well. I believe that the God who created everything, I believe that the Jesus that walked this earth and poured his life into disciples and healed people and performed miracles and, and taught them everything, I believe that same Jesus wants us to walk with him today. And I believe if our schedule or the things around us reduce our faith to knowledge or information, we're going to miss the unfolding of the kingdom. We're going to miss all that God has for us. I don't know about you guys, but I want to walk with Jesus. I want to see Jesus miraculously at work. I want to see Jesus working even today. I want to see Jesus healing people. I want to see Jesus doing incredible things that I can't explain on my own. I don't want to miss out on his miracles. I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want to miss out on understanding how to treat those around me. I don't want to get into a, a worldly thing and just take care of myself. I want to see Jesus at work in the marginalized, in the needy, in the people around us. I want to see Jesus at work in our deteriorating political system. I want to see Jesus at work in the people that are walking the streets every day. I want to see Jesus at work in the most evil people that I can think of. I want to be a part of the unfolding of the kingdom. And if faith is just about knowledge, I'm going to miss it. Jesus wants us to walk with him daily. I want to see Jesus' plan unfold. And so today, as we continue to grow up, I want you to understand that God calls you to follow, to walk with him daily, to partner with each other, and to be a part of his kingdom unfolding here on earth. 
follow me. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning with great people. And I, I certainly, I, I think that, that I'm surrounded by wonderful people this morning. And, and I think that these are your people, Lord. But I, I certainly think that sometimes we put you in a box. I think that sometimes we minimize the calling that you put on our life. Lord, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. But I pray, Lord, that you would call us to something much deeper. I pray that you would call us to continue to grow. I pray that you would call us to walk with you daily as we partner together. I pray that we would be examples for each other. I pray that we would point each other to you. And I pray that daily we would see you at work in the world around us. Father, we love you this morning. And I pray that each and every one of us this morning, no matter what we've done or how we've missed it, would follow you, Lord. I pray that you would call us to a relationship, to a part of your unfolding plan. Lord, we love you, and we pray that you would continue to work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.